Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And good afternoon, and thank you for joining us on this rather extraordinary day. First of all, it is Hanukkah. So happy Hanukkah for those of you who are celebrating it or those of you who are not. Happy, happy Hanukkah, Buzz. Yeah, happy Hanukkah, Dan. It's uh, the Festival of Lights, which is kind of appropriate because it also is our winter solstice, isn't yeah. it? Our winter solstice is going to be at 447. Okay. We'll be on the air. It'll be about 41 minutes from now. And we're going to have... Um, Today's the shortest day of the year. It is. It's only nine hours and five minutes of light today. Um, the sun rises tomorrow morning at 7.16. It's going to set today at 4.21, just uh, 15 minutes from now do, or so. Do you know when it will set tomorrow? Two minutes different from when it sets today. Oh, okay. Two minutes. Well, okay. minute and a minute and 49 something. seconds like or something, something like that. Something like that. Oh, okay. Right. Um so, yeah, so, I mean, the, the bottom line is this time of year from time immemorial has been celebration of light, which is, that's what gave birth to, that's why they call Hanukkah's Let there be light. light, Buzz. Let there be light. Well, we're not the only ones interested in light. Uh, our guest today um, just took a remarkable trip that she's going to be telling us about, and a lot of it involves lights, that is, northern lights, um, because she went to the Arctic Circle, uh, and uh, she went um, with other people like her. She's a writer, she's a poet, she's a journalist. She went with other people who are artists and writers and observers of the human condition. They uh, went together um, on a ship we'll hear about, I think a schooner that we will hear about, and uh, they went to the Arctic Circle uh, where... Uh, there's an intersection where art intersects science and education and activism and climate. And her name is Susanna Lee. She's in the studio with us. Hi, Susanna. Happy solstice, Buzz. Happy solstice to you. And so happy Hanukkah. Thank you. And same to you. Yeah. I am so excited to hear about this extraordinary experience that you just had. Um, Fairly recently. So I guess I just want to ask open-ended questions because I'm really interested in your answers. Tell us what you did and why you did it. All right. Well, thank you for having me here. I'm really happy to be here. And I, uh, in October, went with to join the Arctic Circle, which was a, which is an organization that brings together artists writers, scientists, although there weren't too many scientists, but there were science educators. There were 30 of us. And I had applied for this way, way, way back before the pandemic because, and the way I got there was I had been writing about, um, uh, let's see, a group of nine Carmelite nuns. This is a roundabout way, but, um, and writing poetry, because I heard a story about these women, nine women, who were sent from northern Iceland to the Arctic Circle. Crazy. To build a monastery. Crazy. I'm very interested in monasteries and the idea of solitude. And I thought, wow, they're cloistered. And I thought, wow, again. And they're 
in the dark for half the year, more than half, I think, um, because it is they have the polar winter there, which they've just gone into. And so I was captivated by that idea of, of contemplative prayer in solitude in this freezing environment. Um, and We I, Jews call it Meshuggah. Yeah. That's what we say. <laughs> and, so. and when you say they go into a polar winter, does that mean they get no sunlight no at all? Sunlight. Not even for an hour? No sunlight. No sunlight. Yeah. Wow. Uh, which doesn't mean there isn't light, because what I learned on this journey is that there is a kind of radiance that comes up. I think during the polar winter, maybe it's not there so much, but um, it's... I was there right before the polar winter, so um, I was very nervous. I kept telling people, I'm going to the Arctic uh, because <laughs> it was going to be dark. And people would say, why are you going in the dark? And I began to wonder myself. And so as this um, journey was uh, postponed a year, it was a long process before I could actually um, go. And people got really tired of asking me, are you going to the Arctic yet? Yep. Well, finally I did. And let me tell you, it was, it was worth the wait. It was an astonishing experience. Um, and I actually went to see the monastery that first got me connected. Is it a monastery or a convent? I thought it's a convent. It's a convent. Me. Okay. Yes, it is a convent because these nine women came together, and I thought, oh wow, this is when was this built? This is the 1500s, 1600s. No, 1994. Wow. Nine women went and built this monastery themselves. They had an architect and a, two builders helping them. Um. So I went, and that, this is in Tromso, which is you fly into the northern city of Tromso before you can then fly 800 miles out towards the North Pole. Who's the sovereign there? Is Norway the Norway sovereign? Norway is the sovereign okay. nation. Um, there are Russians and Norwegians in residence there. Um, I would think they'd be Finnish there too, no? Well, there are, yes, of course, there are Finnish there too. Um, and there are people from all over well. coming there now. It's quite a um, diverse community. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about that as we uh, get into the conversation. But mm. ecotourism, there's an upside. Yes. Educatively. Yes. But there's a downside in terms of the impact on the environment. Absolutely. Yeah, so I want to talk about that. Yeah. I, I want to ask this of you, uh, Susanna Lee. You're a writer, you're a poet, you're a journalist. Was your motivation um, to go the same? When you, when you actually experienced it, was it what you experienced different than what your motivation had expected you to experience? Well, that's a very good question because I had never been there, obviously, and I uh, wrote in my proposal for this project, I wrote that I would like to look at the dark and, and 
concentrate on the darkness, the falling darkness into mm. the polar winter um, because I felt it was a, a important metaphor for what we are all dealing with uh, in terms of our planet. And, and um, so was it different? Yes and no. I was astonished at how I wrote a series of poems, one of which I will read if you'd like me to. I would love um, you to. But uh, that talk about the Arctic, and in surprising ways, I, I understood it. But in many surprising ways, I didn't. Could we hear um, that poem? Sure. This is, the, this is sort of the narrative of the um, sisters coming to the Arctic Circle. Um, and again, because I think of, of convents and monasteries as timeless because they are, they are following a timeless schedule of divine offices when they're prayer, prayer praying. Um, so it didn't matter to me in my head when this was. Mm. And it's sort of, therefore, a kind of romantic, poetic take <laughs> on what I then saw Experience, in person. Yeah. Um, this is called Notes of Tannin and Blue. We crossed from Iceland to the Arctic Circle, despite warnings of inclemency. Each night, unveiling at sundown as we were schooled and slid into the chink of dusk and melancholy. Mm. It has been my habit to embrace what I fear, loneliness, darkness, cold, especially cold, and wind them into my devotions. Oh yes, and distraction plagues me too, which is why I have assumed the role of scribe for when we grow older than memory. Now and again, my illuminations dry with one stray hair pressed in the oil and cadmium. In winter, we bow to the Nordic darkness of smelt and herringbone spines on the icy sea, slapping the bark's sure underbelly. Last year, I was impervious to an extinction, but come this spring, if you can call it spring, as if suctioned from peat centuries before I am meant to be found, hands folded at my shallow chest in supplication. I am, as it turns out, a good supplicant, always asking, asking again and again. I will be returned to my bed of muskeg, still tawny like the owl that visits my dreams. After evensong, I am nearly stone deaf with song and seal my lips with unguents to gentle my body for preservation and sleep. On that first night, I heard thunder that would fracture my skull from its very veins and later my heart. In the dark this night, I turn to my sisters and summon the litanies of ice and smoke welling within us. That's as edifying as it is poignant and just beautiful. And, and it has a song to it that's really beautiful. Did you have 
trouble writing when you were immersed in this, or was it easier to write because you were immersed in this? Well, this series all came before I got there. I've written one poem since I got back about the Arctic. I assume and hope, perhaps, more will come, <laughs> um, but I'm, it take, it's been taking me a while to take in what I experienced. And while I was there, I had the great privilege of being on this exquisite boat, sailing uh, through fjords and mountains with no other people because it was so late in the season. There was nobody there but us and the polar bears. The what kind of idiots would sail at that time of year, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, we were. This was the latest they'd ever gone. Wow. And they were a little nervous, they told us, as we got home <laughs> about it because there were storms. And, and, uh, but the beauty of it is, is these small bays in between the fjords uh, would have had ships in them boats, other boats, and they're small. And um, so it would have been so intrusive. Uh, so I felt very privileged to be able to do that. We are going to take a break in a minute and a half, but I just wanted to ask you probably an unfair question, but the one that I can't help but ask, which is how is the Susanna Lee um, that's sitting before me having experienced this different than the Susanna Lee who took off the first day to have this expedition. How has it changed you, if it has at all? Well, I fell in love with the North. I was someone who didn't like the cold. My narrator of this poem has a little bit of me in it, too, um, although it's not me. <laughs> uh, It's um, changed me in so many ways. First, about the climate. Uh, second, the to, impact on the climate. Yeah, the impact there. Uh, it is so powerful a landscape and yet so fragile. Mm. The town of Lungerbien, which we flew into and stayed in a few days, is struggling to. Keep, literally keep its foothold because the permafrost is melting. They've had avalanches that have killed people. Um, and, and yet they still, you know, are doing a booming tourism business, which I just, I somehow can't believe, but yet I was a tourist, so I'm, I'm not one to criticize it, but um, I, I think there are important things going on there now in terms of their decisions. And it's almost as though it's a microcosm of what's on the planet. It does sound transforming. It sounds incredible. Um, you certainly tickled my imagination. We are talking with Susanna Lee about this extraordinary expedition she took um, to the Arctic Circle. We're going to continue our conversation right after these messages. Do stay with us.
This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Sunday mornings on WHMP means polka, polka carousel. Every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, TZ brings his award-winning polka carousel to the airwaves of the valley, playing the polka classics and the latest polka hits. There are polka hits? Brought to you by Saluzniak Funeral Home, Northampton's funeral home for over 110 years and four generations of unparalleled, thoughtful memorial care. It's polka carousel every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, WHMP. I chose community mental health to serve populations that are often underserved. Megan is a therapist at ServiceNet. One core value at ServiceNet is to continue to learn, to really strive for the most effective treatment. If you're looking for a strong sense of community and collaboration, come to ServiceNet. If you're a licensed mental health clinician who wants to make your own hours while also being part of a progressive community mental health team, join us at ServiceNet. Go to the employment page at servicenet.org. Cooper's Corner Store in Florence can be a real time saver for you around the holidays. When you run out, run in. They have what you need. Cooper's is also the place to order fresh, baked, from-scratch pies or to pick up a nice wine or fresh produce or deli platters. Cooper's Corner, a part of the community for nearly 50 years. They're the Coopers. They're your neighbors. They treat you right. Main and Chestnut Streets, Route 9, Florence, open every day of the year. And in Northampton, State Street Fruit Store, Deli Wines and Spirits has what you need for the holidays and all year long. Cooper's Corner Markets open in Florence on Christmas Day until 1 p.m. State Street Fruit Stores also open until 1. They're sister stores. Would you expect less from sisters? Make the holidays easier and pre-order your pies and platters. And if you wake up Christmas morning missing something, not to worry. It's all at Cooper's and State Street. Open seven days and on Christmas till 1. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. For the first time in the history of the country and of the history of the United States, the Supreme Court has taken away a constitutional right. I would also describe this day as a day when women in the United States and people who can become pregnant have become second-class citizens. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. You know, it, it's really wonderful to learn about things you know nothing about. I know nothing about the Arctic Circle. Um, I know that Santa lives somewhere near there. But um, uh, we're talking with Susanna Lee about the Arctic Circle expedition she just had. Um, and so I want to hear, what, what did you visually see what did you experience in terms of the environment that you encountered on this incredible trip well svalbard is an amazing um place with a really curious excuse history. me for interrupting but if anybody wants to look it up it's s-v-a-l-b-a-r-d svalbard correct okay correct 
it is the f northernmost point of land on the planet, I believe. And it is about 400 miles below the North Pole. Got it. So it's out there. Um, and uh, it has a curious history because it doesn't have an indigenous population because it was so cold and inhospitable. Um, so who went there first? The Dutch and the English, and they found the right whale, and they exterminated the right whale. Mm. I didn't realize the right whale is called that because it's the right whale to go after because it's slow and big. Oy. So the Dutch and English were there in the 1600s. This is all very rough. but um, And then the uh, Pomors, the Russians, uh, a group of uh, Russian hunters came in and they took the walrus for the tusks and reindeer. Oh, my reindeer. Um, they are so beautiful. Foxes. Basically, and then the Norwegians came and they went after the polar bears and the walruses and the seals. You have this grinding sense of brutality there, which is hard. The story of humankind, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Exactly. So in Isn't the, that beautiful? Let's kill it. Yeah, yeah. So systematically, they were ruining these or killing these animals. Um, in 73, I believe, the polar bear was protected. So the polar bear is, is very much there. Um, but you have a sense of that in this landscape that is awesome to look at. And how about the permafrost you were alluding to earlier? Can you visually see um, the melting, see the degradation in that regard? Well, I'll tell you how I saw it was as I was leaving Longyearbyen, which is, is plagued with trying to move its buildings and ground them so they don't slide into the sea or be hit by avalanches. There was a huge digger going up the side of a hill, and it was building a snow trench. Actually, it was for meltwater and slush. Wow. So that... To, to get the runoff because it's got these huge mountains on either side. They had to build a drain. They, they're they draining that, yeah. Um, so, yes, you can see it, um, and everyone is aware of it. And yet they have a Radisson Blue Hotel and lots of hotels. So, Susanna Lee, you mm -hmm. are a writer, a poet, a journalist. Other people were uh, artists, as in fine artists, or... Some were more into science. Do you think you all <clears throat> brought a different lens or was there a sort of collegiality of perception where you sort of reacted the same way to what you were experiencing in this extra extraordinary trip? Well, I think there was conversation certainly about what was moving us. Um, there were sculptors, writers, historians, um, uh, painters. Um, yes, we talked about it, but I think people probably came to it with their individual concerns. Nobody could escape the um, the pain of the fragility of the landscape mm. 
in in conjunction with its truly spectacular um, mountains, snow, glaciers. The glaciers, we saw a lot of glaciers, and we were told how far back they had receded in the past five years. Mm. We climbed mountains. That was hairy for me. I'm not a hiker, <laughs> but I made it to the top of one of these mountains and saw coming applause, in applause. from yeah. other, thank you. I was terrified. It was so slippery. Um, I saw coming in from either side two glaciers. And we could see where they were stopping and how far back that was as compared to 10 years ago. I know that um, psycho psychologists, psychiatrists, the DSM recognizes a disorder that's called um, seasonal adjustment disorder. Some people suffer in this all this darkness and cold that you were immersed in. Uh, did did it drive your mood in any way? No, and this is a very interesting thing because I think I have always suffered from seasonal affective disorder. Oh, that is affective disorder. Yes, and so I'm watching myself carefully this winter because I really learned from my um, crew and colleagues on the boat about, or the ones who live there in Longyearbyen, about the polar winter. They are in darkness now. And they say, oh, it's wonderful. We visit friends. We go on vacation. <laughs> um, they go with the right attitude. And so I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> that the right attitude maybe will carry me through this dark time. This conversation could go on for hours. I'm fascinated by it. But um, could you just leave us with another poem that you wrote? Um, oh, interesting. Well, I'll read you the one that I have um, written since I've been back. Uh, Great. And I will tell you one thing that's interesting about this is you're not allowed to you're not supposed to die on Svalbard because of the a permafrost. They can't bury you. Oh. And the permafrost is yielding up some older bodies that have smallpox. Nice. Have, you know, some... <laughs> yeah. well, and let's get so some ancient viruses. They're nervous to, about yeah, right. that. And this, the last, the end of this poem refers to that, but I don't think it's relevant. It's important to know for the poem. This is called Night Swim, Temple Fjorden, Svalbard. Something preceded me as I plunged into meltwater so smooth beyond glacial. I saw light where there was none. I felt myself alone cut into darkness, descend faster than heartbeat. My body signaled silence. When I came up to air, I saw the fjord shift imperceptibly, imperceptibly, the fox-gray earth barely holding all it had seen. Ancient spirits flew, toppled and spun with kittiwake and ptarmigan, shelving off from the glacier's eyes down to the tumbled scree of my heart, and they buoyed me. I am not allowed to die here. 
Extraordinary. What a great place to leave it. Susanna Lee, thank you so much for sharing your experience, your, your writing with us. And uh, I'd love to talk to you more about this. Thank you, Extraordinary. Boss. It's a part of the planet that none of us know anything about, except Santa and his wife, Martha. They know all about it, along with the little elves. We're going to meet Santa, talk about the North Pole, right after these messages. Susanna, thank you again. Thank for you, coming. Buzz. Take care. We'll be right back. Stay with us. I really can't stay. But baby, it's cold outside. I've got this to go is the away. afternoon but buzz with Buzz outside. Eisenberg, one oh one five WHMP. I'll hold your hand but just like my I mother am. will start to worry. What's your and father will be pacing the floor. Listen to the fireplace roar. So really I'd better scurry. Beautiful, please don't Well, hurry. maybe just a half a drink more. Put some records on while I pour. The neighbors might think. But baby, it's bad out there. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. A Hamden County grand jury has indicted a West Springfield man for allegedly defrauding the Hamden County Regional Board of Retirement of more than $27,000. Investigators allege that Robert Dombeck falsely claimed in an affidavit submitted to the board that the man he cared for, a deceased public pensioner, was still alive and had given Dombeck power of attorney to collect the man's pension. Dombeck is expected to be arraigned on the charges at a later date. West Springfield police are investigating after a car versus pedestrian crash last night. The accident happened near the intersection of Piper Road and Monastery Avenue. The pedestrian was taken to a local hospital with serious injuries. Piper Road from Hale Street to West Springfield High School was closed while crews investigated the crash. And tonight, the Greenfield City Council will be voting on two mayoral appointments to the Public Safety Commission. One appointee is David Lenoy, who has over 30 years of professional experience in the Massachusetts County Correctional System in related higher education and in various harm reduction initiatives. The other appointment to the commission is David Mascaratolo, who has worked in the security industry. Going into tonight's meeting, the Appointments and Ordinances Committee is giving a positive unanimous recommendation for the appointment of Lenoy, and the committee unanimously abstained from voting on the recommendation of Mascaratolo. This comes after Mascaratolo was photographed with the defund City Council Support Our Police sign in May after the council had voted on budget cuts to the police department. Mostly sunny this afternoon, a high of 34 to 38. Mostly cloudy tonight, overnight lows of 14 to 20. It's mostly cloudy tomorrow. Rain and snow showers possible in the afternoon, a high of 38 to 42. Rain and snow showers changing to plain rain Thursday evening. And then rain and wind here on Friday, a high in the low to mid 50s. 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 1015 WHMP. Hi, it's Jason with the Weather Channel and SnowCountry.com. Driving under the influence of marijuana is illegal, and law enforcement officers can tell if you're driving high. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. Well, we're enjoying skiing and riding with a midwinter look and feel before the holidays. From recent big natural snow to continued powerful snowmaking, each day brings more trails to the table. The snow country crews been all over them, right, Leaf? When you get that snowy carpet feel on the first run of the day at Loon, you know it's going to be a good one. From leisurely turns on scenic runs like Upper Run Runner to the fun, speedy run out of Lower Flume, it's looking and skiing like midwinter at Loon. Jiminy Peak skiing every night till 10. Two dozen trails there. Ski Butternut and Catamount with about a half 
Pop does it along with what you said, where they've got action till 7. Stratton got a few fresh inches, a little bit of new snow at Smuggler's Notch, 16 inches the last five days. This report brought to you by Smuggler's Notch, Vermont. Visit smugs.com. Check out more at snowcountry.com. I'm Jason Dean. Hello, everyone. Gordon Oliver here. So let's face it, our day-to-day lives always involve money, right? For many of us, money is always top of mind. But here at The Cambridge Connection, we want to help you reverse that trend. Every Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m. here on WHMP, my co-pilot, Tina Marie, and I bring you a variety of amazing experts who can help you navigate that daily financial maze of life and guide you to a better relationship with your money. Gordon and Tina Marie pay tribute to friend and former guest, Gordon Corsetti, who lost his battle with depression. If your Spanish-speaking employees spoke better English, would that be good for business? If your English-speaking employees spoke a little Spanish, would that be good for business? The International Language Institute delivers workplace language training, improving communication among coworkers and with customers. You get financial assistance with the Massachusetts Workplace Training Express Fund. They cover 50 to 100% of the cost. So let's get going. Call or email the International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Well, the first segment, I was transported very far north to as far north as you can go on this planet, really close to the North Pole, which uh, I think is uh, appropriate to Nan Parati's interesting thing of the day. Nan, what is your interesting thing of the day? My interesting thing today is, first of all, I'll just say, sir, what is your signature trademark saying? Ho, ho, ho. (laughs) (laughs) Our guest today is Santa Claus himself, and I'm so, so excited. We met on Facebook and talked a lot, and I asked him if he would come on, and he said yes. And I thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Last mile, rural broadband finally made it to the North Pole, beaming in on a crisp signal. Glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. My first question, you know, this is a good question. I think a really important question. How old are you, and were you, are you the same Santa who's been with us all these years? Was this a, a, a role you grew into, your, your great-great-grandfather, your father? How, where do you come from? Well, no, this, this is a controversial question, and actually, because, um, it, Many are given to understand that I'm immortal. I'm not clear on the point. I suppose there's a philosophical problem where I will never know until I live forever asymptotically. Um, I have changed form over the years, much like uh, some of your listeners may be familiar with the British television show Doctor Who, where the actor playing Doctor Who changes every few years into a new incarnation. It's sort of that type of situation. Oh, you're now Doctor Ho. Dr. Ho Ho Ho, yeah. In in the 4th century, I was a very handsome uh, Turkish gentleman named St. Nicholas, was a bishop. Uh, of, I, I believe I was living in Lycia at the time, uh, sort of Turkey adjacent. Um, St. Nick, uh, Sinterklaas, sort of depends on who you ask, really. Yeah. But you're all the same person all the way through. It's always been you all the way through. There, there is a, a continuity of soul, I suppose you might say. Yes, that you know, I, uh-huh. I, I transcend my physical body, much like uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, so, but so, okay, that, that's that's you know something that I think is really important because at the same time we also have this issue where you are at every mall in the United States simultaneously. How do you do that? 
there's a certain kind of cosplay industry that has grown up around my likeness that I can't say I approve of, uh, but I would never ultimately begrudge anything that brings happiness to the children of the world. So on the whole, I would say, uh, go with claws. Oh, so, so it's not necessarily you everywhere. I see. Okay, good. That, whew, that helps a whole lot. I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, you, you can only defy so many laws of physics at any one time, so trying to defy the laws of time sort of precludes me from defying the laws of space, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay, okay, great. Cool, 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 cool. Um, you know, we hear a lot about you. We hear a lot about Mrs. Claus. Mm. Do you have children? Um, yeah. Do you have a family? We know about the elves, but do you have your own personal children, you and Mrs. Claus? You know, this is a complex issue, Nan. Um, I identify as pansexual. Uh, however, there's been a considerable degree of interest in the kind of uh, romantic background of my relationship with Mrs. Claus. People asking questions like, do you sleep in a sleigh bed with Mrs. Claus? Naughty list. Leave me alone. Um, the How should I say this? You know, we've dedicated our lives to a kind of service to the children of the world. And our conclusion as we were sort of having our family planning conversation several thousand years ago was that it wouldn't really be fair to bring children into a family situation where we would be taken away from them with such regularity during the holiday season. It's just kind of a sad state of affairs. And so, you know, we've elected to, you know, dedicate our attention to, you know, other children, which is to say all of them, um, all of the elves, reindeer, there's there's really a lot of, of caretaking to do up here. So, you know, we're, we're, we're happy campers, basically. I had oh, a question cool. about the elves. Mm. Yeah. Have they union? Have they unionized? I wish they would. Here's the thing: I'll tell you about the elves as an executive. It's a whole lot easier to negotiate a contract with a unionized workforce and their representatives rather than trying to strike a deal with every individual elf. Oh, you used the strike word. What if they strike at the wrong time? Hey, I mean, I'm not against syndical. Santa's an anarchist. There's more to be said about this, by the way, if you want to talk uh, talk about that. But uh, if they want to kind of take a syndicalist approach and unionize, I, I, I'm not averse to this becoming you a worker-owned cooperative it, enterprise. No, not at all. That would make you. What a if bit they rebelled? Rebel. They could be a rebel without a clause. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Naughty list. <laughs> Dan, I interrupted you. No, no, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> I know you can't beat that one. We're going to take a break. We're talking to Santa himself. Nan has brought Santa into our studio. You wouldn't believe how white his beard and hair are. It's actually quite beautiful. Oh, thank you. That's uh, a pleasure. So and what do you use for product? Snow, mainly snow. <laughs> snow. Yeah. We're going to be back with Nan Parati. Her interesting thing, Santa himself, right after these messages. Stay with us. Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. To play this game, you've got to be as sharp as a blade, as quick as a one-timer, as tough as plexiglass. Oh, and having a solid dental plan, that's probably a good idea, too. Hit the ice all season long right here on the UMass Sports Network. 1015, 1400, and 1240 WHMP. I'm Tony Warden, President and Chief Executive Officer of Greenfield Cooperative Bank. 
I want to wish everyone a happy holiday season and a safe and healthy new year. This is Mary Ross of the Co-op Bank, wishing all our customers, my family and friends, a very happy and joyful holiday season. This is Chelsea. And this is Maggie. From the Commercial Loan Department. We want to wish our family, friends, and customers a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hi, this is Jane Wolf, Senior Vice President of Residential Lending at Greenfield Cooperative Bank. I'd like to wish you and your family a wonderful holiday season and a prosperous new year. Hi, this is Missy Tatro, Assistant Vice President and Senior Mortgage Originator at Greenfield Cooperative Bank. I'd like to wish everyone a safe and happy holiday season. Hi, I'm Dawn. And I'm Erica from the Florence Branch. Northampton Cooperative Bank. We We would would like like to extend our best wishes to our customers, families, and friends for a happy holiday season and a happy new year. Cheers. When you shop at River Valley Co-op, you get the best local and organic produce, a butcher shop, wine and cheese shop, fresh seafood, and hundreds of bulk herbs, spices, and more. When you shop at River Valley Co-op, you create hundreds of union jobs and generate over $7 million in purchases from local farms and businesses. River Valley Co-op is your food hub, bringing you the best from around the valley and world while supporting your neighbors and local farmers. Shop River Valley Co-op in Northampton and East Hampton today. River Valley. If your kid is hooked on the Fortnite video game, you may have some money coming. Epic Games, the maker of Fortnite, has agreed to a $520 million settlement to resolve federal charges. It invaded children's privacy and made unauthorized charges. Researchers at Consumer Reports report finding cadmium and lead, two heavy metals, in the dark chocolate bars it tested. Health experts say consuming just small amounts of those metals on a regular basis could lead to health problems in both children and adults. Chrysler is recalling 1.2 million trucks, late model Ram 1500, 2500, and 3500 pickups. The tailgate may not latch properly due to misaligned tailgate strikers, which could result in the tailgate opening while the vehicle is being driven. That's an obvious safety issue. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are so lucky today because you still have a few days left before the crunch hits. So Nan has brought in Santa himself into the studio. Nan Parati is your interesting thing. Yes, indeed, and he's very interesting. In fact, I've never heard Santa Claus refer to himself as an anarchist before. Would you like to talk a little about that, Santa? Absolutely, I'm an anarchist, and absolutely, like every other anarchist, I would love to talk your ear off about it. <laughs> so I, I think a lot of people don't know about the the kind of early modern um, Tudor-era history of Christmas uh, in the United Kingdom, from which uh, we in the, the folks in the United States here are culturally descended in many ways. Um, it was much more comparable to Halloween. Um, it was a, hol- a holiday that involved uh, a lot of inversion of normal hierarchies and standards, challenging authority, challenging conventions. Um, people in England would appoint uh, folks called lords of misrule. In Scotland, they were called abbots of unreason. Uh, these were peasants, usually gentlemen, who were in charge of the Christmas festivities, which involved things like wassailing. Wassailing had a number of different uh, parts, 
Uh, much of it involved going to rich people in the community and saying, give me presents or I will wreck your property. Uh, and the rich folks in the community felt compelled to go along with that, uh, rather like trick or treat. Um, wassailing also involved a practice called mummering, uh, which uh, in the 21st century we would now probably call uh, cross-dressing or drag. Uh, there was another common practice called chambering, uh, which is a discreet way of saying, may I say fornication on the radio? Is fornication permitted on the airwaves? Uh, the FCC says, sure. Okay, yeah, so the chambering is, is a euphemism for fornication, which is itself a euphemism for other things we shan't discuss. Um, early kind of like church records uh, in the UK do seem to suggest that there was uh, a statistically significant pattern of births in late September and early October that corresponded with this season of chambering. Um, <laughs> it's an anarchist affair. <laughs> Meanwhile... I live off yeah. the grid for a reason, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, I I went to great lengths to relocate off the grid to the North Pole, only to find that I am being relentlessly surveilled by outfits from your local meteoro meteorologist to NORAD. Everyone claims to be tracking me. I don't know why they need to be tracking me. Um, you know, for that matter, I think that they act like it's sort of a cutesy thing. To my mind, I, I, I'm a pacifist, basically, right? Um, you know, I, I all about love and presence and happy children. It, it's sort of troubling to me to see my likeness bandied about by the United States military as a way of gussying up their their militaristic hostilities and infrastructure. It's all very troubling. I can imagine. You know, that, that brings a question to my mind. You're talking about everything you were and this. You, of course, are the guy who decides who is naughty and who is nice. How do you decide and what do you do about it? So this is, a is that line? This is also a controversial issue. Um, there's not a firm line. Broadly speaking, I'm looking for certain things. Um, I err on the side of ruling people into the naughty list and defaulting to an assumption that people remain on the nice list otherwise. Uh, oh. get, getting on the naughty list requires, Buzz, you're going to need to help me out with this one. I believe the legal concept is willful malice. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, you need an actual intent. Yeah, you need natural intent to do the wrong thing. Errors, accidents, doing the wrong thing, you know, not not quite a, on purpose. That's not enough to knock you onto the, onto the naughty list. It's really a matter of malice aforethought and uh, being a twerp on purpose in one way or the other. How about intentionally inspiring people to stop the governmental process of uh, actually going through the Electoral Count to uh, get a new president? Oh, that's categorically on the naughty list. Ooh. Okay. There, there's a few folks in Western Massachusetts who might need to hear this message. Uh, gentlemen from North Adams, Pittsfield, putting your photos on the internet at the insurrection. Naughty list. <laughs> <laughs> and when they're naughty, do you just not bring them presents or do you actually retaliate? So the, uh, traditionally, the, the, the move was to bring them coal. I've evolved in this area. We cannot be extracting coal from the ground any longer, regardless of what Joe Manchin says. Um, so I, I've taken to uh, burning pieces of compost um, and, and sort of just kind of blackening those and sending them along and trusting that it's a reasonable facsimile that is more environmentally friendly. So uh -huh. these elves in your workshop, mm -hmm. do they sing? Are they happy? Are they, you know, what, what's the atmosphere like there? This is the great thing about a worker-owned cooperative. You know, nothing but owners on site. They're, they're happy campers. They're delighted. You know, they have bad days. Happiness every day of the year isn't a reasonable expectation. But on the whole, I think that they are, they are content. You know, they've got eight hours for work, eight hours for sleep, eight hours for what they will. <laughs> How tall are they? 
Well, it's sort of a sensitive question. Wouldn't you say I would? I would let you ask them. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a personal matter. Yeah, you they're, they're, mean, you mean they might get they short some, with me. They have feelings about it. Is what I would say. <laughs> yeah. Well, my question is: Are there new? Do, do the elves rotate out? Out, or are they like you've been there forever? Or are there new ones? Do they have children? I'm always interested in the whole family situation. How does that work with elves? You know, we like to encourage continuity. We want to run an organization where people feel that they can retire, right? That they're willing to invest time over the years. Um, and then, you know, when it's time for them to stop, they're able to stop. And the, the dilemma about running an organization based out of the North Pole is that we really need to grow our own talent uh, in a way that I, I think probably is familiar to entrepreneurs and business owners in Western Massachusetts as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot of effort at kind of cultivating internal talent and, you know, creating pipelines to, to kind of create the sort of skill set that we require. So who maintains your sleigh? It's getting harder to find folks to maintain the sleigh on the whole. It's a, it's a dying art, this kind of wood bending stuff like that. It's a production. Uh, the I try to avoid sending it back to the dealer if at all possible just because the markup is brutal. Um, sometimes there's nothing to be done about it. Um, and, and, you know, we got we got to make a call. And uh, I have a Rudolph question. Oh, sure. Is he t- uh, somebody you trust and allowing and to kind of run your sleigh down or what's, what's yeah. the deal with that and the red nose and all of that? Let me tell you the stroke of genius with, with Rudolph. Yeah, okay. please. Um, I would refer you uh, to the research of a, of a Dartmouth University anthropologist named Nathaniel Domini. He's an evolutionary anthropologist. Um, his work reveals that reindeers actually can see ultraviolet light, mm-hmm. which in many cases is advantageous. It's not that helpful when you're trying to fly through cloud cover mm-hmm. because ultraviolet light diffuses much more quickly in cloud cover than the kind of conventional spectrum. You mean like one foggy Christmas Eve? Yeah, foggy Christmas Eve flying above the clouds sort of in the stratosphere. Not a good Navigating your way through the clouds is a dilemma. So – um, if you're a reindeer, really, if you're a Santa for that matter, it's helpful to have the longest wavelength of light possible to light your way through the clouds. Turns out that's red, actually. So, oh. Mr. Red-Nosed Reindeer, huh. serving the fit for purpose. So it's it's really was it's been very advantageous over the years. So was that an accident, or did it just, I mean, did you choose Rudolph because of the red nose, or did that just like, whoa, look at this, we discovered this? No, it's an exercise in selective breeding, certainly undertaken over many thousands of years. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. I yeah. See. What about the rest of them, Donner, Blitzen, and all those? Are they just along for the ride, haha, or what? Yeah, it's a rear-wheel drive vehicle, so you know uh-huh. you, you need a lot of traction in the back, so like, like a, a dually it's truck, like a Subaru. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But wow. listen, when when you get a sleigh like that. Is there a difference between just your run-of-the-mill sleigh, which you get from the dealer that you don't like, and a flying sleigh, or is it the reindeer that make it fly? It's an it's a series of aftermarket retrofits. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a question. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Uh, what about you and your future? Do you ever plan to retire? Do you think, or are you in for the absolute long haul as long as life goes on? You know, this is one of those jobs that uh, you, you you wish you could do forever, and we're going to see what happens. You know, I'm not. Uh-huh. I'm. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling vigorous. I'm feeling like I've learned a lot of lessons over the years, uh, and I'm ready to keep at it. He looks really healthy. I mean, he, he shakes a little when he laughs, but mm-hmm. was it like a bowl full of jelly? Like that? exactly like that. But I do have yeah. a question, Santa. In the two phone. minutes that we have left, mm-hmm. why do you put your finger aside of your nose? I don't get that. What does that do? I'm putting my finger aside of my nose. I don't get it. Do you remember the 1980s at all, Buzz? <laughs> Vaguely. It, it is not the easiest thing in the world to stay up that overnight. I was putting stuff inside my nose. That's the problem with my, my memory of the 80s. Ho, ho, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Are you essentially an old hippie, Santa? I want to ask you that, too. 
Because you kind of have that look with the beard and the hair and the red suit and all that stuff. Are you an old hippie? or? Do you ever notice how all us members of the counterculture kind of wind up looking alike? Far left wing, far right wing. We it's really the same fashion statement within, with you know, with minor tweaks. Right, right. And are you in that sense? Are you also like a? Do you eat meat? Do you eat? Are you a vegetarian? A vegan? Well, how do you how do you maintain the figure there? Well, here's what I'll tell you. It varies across the year. Um, if I might make, a, I can't really call it a public service announcement because the person it's serving is me primarily. Um, people often assume that what I'm looking for is cookies and milk when I'm kind of making the rounds, right? But I'll tell you, I maintain a liquid diet on the day, right? Getting down that chimney, it's challenging. I already, as it is, go through an extraordinary volume of chimney lubricant. <laughs> you could, you should buy stock in the chimney lubricant kind of early December. <laughs> That's why we say to all old hippies, watch out, there's some bad antacid going on. Mm-hmm. So on the whole, if you wouldn't mind awfully, uh, liquid diet, beverages are great, uh, mango lassies, coffee fraps, vichyssoise, it's all fine. Just let's stick with the liquids. Wow. Do you want alcohol in there? Or do you you prefer no, not so much? I wouldn't go with alcohol in the Vichy Swaz, but anything else I'd say have at it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to remember, I'm not really operating the vehicle. I just sit there. It's a driverless sleigh. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah. Point. Rudolph is doing all the work. That's how that goes, yeah. Yeah, but it's a lot of work. There's, mm-hmm. there's gifts for 7 billion people in there. So I think it's eight now. Listen, we have mm-hmm. to thank you so much, Nan, for, I don't know how you met Santa, but thank you for bringing him on the show. Santa, it's been a pleasure. It was great fun. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Everybody, have a wonderful solstice night. Um, Pay attention to the light tonight. It's special. enough for you. Join us for a preview of the upcoming Polar Plunge off of Musanti Beach, a Live fundraiser for the Palestinian and House for of Northampton in the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group Station. 